Good morning, everyone. Here, there, later. Welcome. Our second lesson this morning is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. Listen for God's word to you. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. Let's pray. Creator God, you give us words to ponder. A simple story, yet hard to decipher. Lord, we pray that you would work in us this mystery. Help us to discern what it means for us today and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I'm going to go off book here for a moment and remove this step. <laughs> I forgot it was there, and oh, that's so much easier to see. Even with my 16-point font, uh, a few more inches is nice. For the last month, we've been reflecting on the kingdom of God, or the reign of God, through the parables of Jesus and his announcement that his mission was to proclaim that kingdom. We've heard about weeds and seeds and wheat and yeast, and this morning we're back to seeds. The kingdom of God to the oppressed Jewish people in the first century Roman-occupied territory of Palestine is a promise that Caesar is not the final authority. God is. What a breath of freedom for the people who heard Jesus' words and met him. As an American citizen in the 21st century, I've been taught to have a skeptical sense of monarchy. So this whole reign or kingdom business can be tricky. You know, my American, my American sense, maybe it's my white male American sense, of achievement and progress tells me a more perfect union is a government of the people and by the people and for the people. Maybe you've had your own bugaboos about the kingdom of God. So I'll tell you what I mean when I say the reign or the kingdom of God. My understanding of this has been largely shaped by the late philosopher and author Dallas Willard, that fellow who said, you are an unceasing spiritual being. He writes, God's own kingdom or rule is the range of God's effective will, where what God wants done is done. The person of God and the action of God's will are the organizing principles of the kingdom. But everything that obeys those principles, whether by nature or choice, is within God's kingdom. I hope this is a helpful definition for you. If not, I have left a full page of reading for afterthoughts, if you want to read more, on what Dallas Willard says. 
God's reign is the range of God's effective will. And you look around the world, and clearly, God allows many situations to be outside God's will. And I, you know, let me make it clearer. God's will, love, mercy, justice, goodness. Hope that, hope that makes more sense. There are many things outside of God's will, yet the earth still orbits the sun. We've got gravity and math and chemistry and a billion other miracles that we take for granted. Because it may not be all the way here yet, but God's kingdom is present. And within the heart and strength and minds of humankind, God's reign works like wheat among weeds that look pretty much like wheat. Uh, or the seed of a different type of weed, the mustard plant. Or like certain microscopic fungi, also known as yeast. I didn't know they were fungi. The reign of God is a mystery moving within and transforming a larger whole. And so we've come to the mystery at hand, our parable this morning, the seed that grows in secret. This little nugget of a parable is unique. It only appears in Mark's gospel, and it's only one of two parables that Mark uses and directly compares to the kingdom of God. And it sits in a chapter between the much more famous parable of the sower and the parable of the mustard seed, all of which precede Jesus calming a storm as he crosses the Sea of Galilee before going to a foreign country. That's Mark chapter 4. And we see Jesus scattering seeds as he teaches. And we see how the kingdom grows in surprising and secret ways through the, through the rest of the gospel. You know, that parable is so short, I'm going to read it again. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. The seed grows, and the farmer does not know how. Theologian Ched Myers writes, The clear implication of the parable, this parable, is that the growth of the kingdom will be neither obvious nor controllable. Speaking as an employee of an institution whose mission is supposed to be something like proclaiming and growing the same kingdom Jesus proclaimed, this parable is a little dangerous. Increasing the range of God's effective will, growing the kingdom, is not something we can control. But it's kind of the church's business model. <laughs> Teaching and leading people in faith so that God's goodness is expressed in people's lives. Yet however many books and conferences there are for pastors and worship leaders, Reformation study visits, calendaring, worship services, confirmation classes, all of it is not a surefire guarantee. It may be our role to play. It may be good for us to do. The kingdom is probably growing, but we can't be certain how. 
How confusing and terrifying and wonderful at the same time. The farmer and the seed, they hardly do anything. The ground, boring old dirt, is where the magic happens. It's funny, with all this talk of dirt and yeast and seeds, you'd think Jesus was hidden away or buried at some point. Wait, is that what's going on here? Hmm. Well, just after his Palm Sunday entry into Jerusalem in John's Gospel, five days before he's crucified, Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies... It remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. To fall or die, is that how things grow? Well, the earth seems to be producing of itself. But notice again that the farmer and the seed, while they're not doing much, are kind of doing the same thing. They sleep and they rise. They fall and they get up. They hit the earth or the bed and they get back up. You know, lately the Campbell Skate Park, right there at Winchester, Campbell Ave, has become my de facto second office. I'm I'm taking Ethan, my son, uh, and Lucy sometimes, my daughter, three, four, five times a week for hours at a time. Thank goodness for iPhone hotspots to use your laptop. Uh, He makes friends, they learn tricks, they test themselves on the ramps, they ride scooters, skateboards, Lucy brings her rollerblades. At a skate park, kids fall and they get back up. And they help each other out way more than I ever thought. Now, I've been, I've been going to the skate park. I mean, it feels like a lot, four months. But I read recently about a musician who is funding skate parks in every community in Montana that is open to having a skate park. And this guy happens to be the bassist in my favorite band from junior high, Pearl Jam, which was a pretty big band. So unlike most musicians, he's got the money to back up his dream. Building these skate parks, he says, is much bigger than skateboarding. You are teaching kids to get up when they fall. If you're in an isolated rural area or you come from a broken home, you're going to fall a lot. And I'll add, even when you live in suburbia and your family is doing just fine, you need to learn how to get up when you fall. The reign of God is as if a kid is learning to skateboard. She falls and gets up, falls and gets up. The pavement produces lessons of itself. Yet, if she persists, she might learn to fly. Sometimes, we are going to fall. And usually, we're going to get up. Sometimes, we have to die to something and be raised. Maybe that dying is as simple as dying to the idea that Something is supposed to be easy. When a skater learns a new trick, it usually takes hundreds of attempts, if not more, for no other reason than skateboarding is hard. 
And so is life. And so is following Jesus. We fall and we get back up. We're disappointed, we move on. We die and we're raised. As the Apostle Paul puts it, we push on toward the goal to which Christ calls us heavenward. Keep going. One way to read this parable, just one way, is to recognize that in the falling and getting up, somehow the reign of God is operating and growing. Now, we can't see this when we're scraped up and bloody on the ground or while we're sleeping or while the seed is just there in the bare dirt. But the reign of God grows in secret, in the resurrection resilience of falling and rising. In the new novel, The Last Green Valley, good book, you should read it, an extended family of ethnic Germans is fleeing where they lived, and they and their ancestors lived for a century in the Ukraine. It's 1944, and the Soviets are reconquering Ukraine as the Nazis retreat. The eastern front of the war is not something I learned much about, but it was interesting. It was wild, scary. And this family wants nothing to do with Hitler or Stalin. So they are running as far west as they can. There are so many dramatic turns. But often the story flashes back to a decade before when in the 1930s, the main female character, Adeline Martel, was a maid in an elderly Jewish woman's home. The elderly woman, Mrs. Cantor, sees the darkening world ahead, remembers what her people have already been through, and she offers some advice to Adeline. Advice that comes up again and again as Adeline and her family push further and further west. Mrs. Cantor says, my dear, I have come to believe after 81 years on this earth that our job in life is to endure, to be kind, and to constantly put the past behind us and not dwell too much on the future. If you must look back, try to find the beauty and the benefit in every cruelty done to you. If you must think about the future, try to have no expectations about it. Trust in God to guide you through. Adeline and her family fall and they get up. They get knocked down, they keep going. They lose loved ones along the way and they carry on. They're separated and they endure and you can read it. In their journey, small everyday deeds of kindness, where the range of God's effective will is clearest, that's what keeps the darkness at bay and the darkness from overwhelming them in their wild emotions as they journey on foot. For some reason, Mrs. Cantor's words rung in my mind as I noticed the farmer and the seed, sleeping and waking again and again. I wonder if you look back at the past, can you find the beauty and the benefit in every time you've fallen or been made to fall? Or, you know, the beauty and the benefit in a time you fell. 
Can you see the seeds of your own rising? Can you see God's reign, God's will working in you in the midst of it? If you can, cool. Be grateful for the encouragement it gives. And if you can't, that's okay. It's not obvious, remember. You know, we can't control it. It's not obvious seeing it. The least we can do is trust that God is doing something in us somehow. We get down, and God lifts us up, and somehow the territory in which God's will is moving in the world expands. As high-functioning citizens of the richest place in the richest country ever, we can be forgiven for thinking there might be a magic formula or a sweet new app for growing the kingdom. That's how everything else seems to work. But God does not meet might with might or save the world by sword. Instead, God publicly dies on a cross, then rises in secret. There is no formula for the reign of God, or faith even. But a good way to notice it growing is in the falling and getting back up, sleeping and waking, dying and rising, in your life and in the lives of people you know and love. So may you endure and be kind this week. Have few expectations for the future. Only look for the beauty and the benefit in the past. Trust God to guide you through and raise you up when you fall. Amen.